We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Fantasy Football Wide Receiver Rankings by Tier. We've already done part one. This is now part two. You missed part one. No shame in that. Just hit the description. The link is down there. We covered tiers one, two, and three, the top tiers at wide receiver for the fantasy football rankings this season. Part one of the running backs top tiers is already out as well with Jake Seal. You can find that down in the description or up on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all of the popular podcast sites. You can get those episodes. They're available now. So go check them out after you watch or listen to this show. Either way, if you want to make your own projections or just check out someone else's projections completely free, runthesims.com has that for you. The early bird package for both the betting and daily fantasy, the optimizer, the prize picks, everything like that, that is all available right now to the early bird special. Uh, And if you use discount code Mayo, you get an additional 10% off. So that's the cheapest it's going to be all year, under 200 bucks for the NFL season at runthesims.com. But if it is just the season-long projections you're looking for those are completely free so go check it out right now mike leone from establish the run is back to continue our conversation about this mike have you smashed the like button to this episode yet i have not but i'm going to it's the first thing i'm going to do once i get off this uh recording well the show won't be out for like another day so you have to come back give me that view give me that <laughs> like and sub to mayo media network on the youtubes while you're at it here's what we came up with for the top 10 rankings at wide receiver for 2022. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb, Stephen Diggs, T. Higgins, T. He Higgins, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Keenan Allen. 
just looking at that last year, I'm just like, Ugh, do I really feel that way? And we ended with Debo. We don't have Debo ranked yet, but we had a discussion about Debo Samuel. So if you want to hear more about Debo, you can go back to the end of part one. Everything's time-coded, so it's easy to find. That leaves us with a glut of names. And now, I, I think you could talk to most people, and if you had to rank the top 10 wide receivers for the year, they would probably give you eight or nine of exactly the same names. Just how it's going to go. So we're talking about projections. We're talking about how these guys are actually ranked. But I don't know what to do with the second tier because I have my favorites of, I don't want to say the safe guys, but like the safe half point, full point PPR guys like Deontay Johnson. I think that Jalen Waddle fits into that mix. Brennan Cooks, Terry McLaurin are all there. Then you have players like Gabriel Davis and Michael Pittman, who just seem to be skyrocketing up draft boards. Are any of make your case? Are there any of those names that you would list above Debo Samuel? Because as people know, I'm just a bit wishy washy on Debo this year. I just don't trust his floor whatsoever. It feels like there might not be. I find it very unlikely that he finishes the year at wide receiver 11. It's like wide receiver two or wide receiver 32 for him. I think the floor might be a little bit better than you're giving him credit for because, like, he's one of the only wide receivers the last decade that's been over two yards per out run in all three of his seasons. And I think that just that type of talent and what he can do provides him with a, with a better floor than you would expect. I know there's some concerns in terms of, you know, the target tree growing now that Brandon Ayuk isn't in the doghouse and how much pass volume is there even going to be period with Trey Lance at the helm instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, but there wasn't a lot of pass volume last year either. So I think we've dropped him about as far as we can drop him where uh, I think he has to be slotted in right now after the three tiers that we did in the last episode. Okay, so let's start tier four. Debo is now next at the beginning of tier four in the rankings. That was an easy one. I mean, we're flying through this already. We're at a much better pace than episode Compared one to last the, of this 10-part series of the wide receiver rankings. <coughs> Excuse me. The, Mike, you know, when you have kids, just you, they bring everything home and you're just coughing nonstop. Oh. It's crazy. Every, every other week they spend a week sick a week not sick and then the next week they're sick again and then and you, i only have one kid yeah i have two so they just kind of alternate the sickness and i me my wife and i are just sick the entire time so would you say let's start with michael pittman because i'm not as sold on this like breakout campaign that everyone is that doesn't mean he shouldn't be a part of this tier because i think find that sometimes like people will talk in hyperbole about oh, this is the player's upside here's this massive breakout and when you go through your rankings like yeah that's about where he should be and that's about where he's being drafted yet people are talking about him like he's like the league winner this year I don't know if I necessarily see that from Michael Pittman like I think I'd rather have Deontay Johnson and Jalen Waddle and DJ Moore and Brennan Cooks like I think he's a he's in with those guys but I think he's behind those guys yeah, I I think he's being drafted at a point where the upside is kind of sucked out from him already. It's going to be tough to profit at that pick, and I generally want guys with a, with a higher ceiling. So uh, looking at this offense, they're not going to throw very much. They're going to throw more than last year, you know, going from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan and just the way things worked out. Frank Reich has talked about it, but throwing more from last year is still one of the lowest pass rates in the entire league. And I know the target competition isn't there. Do certainly expect him to be around a 25% target share. The question, I guess, is does he make the leap to becoming a Devontae Adams type where he's getting a 30 plus percent target share? Because if he's around 25%, it's just going to be super difficult for him to hit a huge ceiling the way this offense operates, you know, not running a ton of plays, having a low pass rate. And 
I think, yeah, at this point, he's being drafted really pr- pretty much towards his ceiling. He is being drafted in the neighborhood of other receivers, such as with pick being picked number 30 right now uh, in DraftKings. Keenan Allen is 26. A.J. Brown is 28. T. Higgins is 29. Michael Pittman is number 30. And like Mike Williams, for example, is number 31 overall going in these drafts, also at wide receiver, obviously. But because that's DraftKings best ball drafts, I think a lot of that has to do with people going Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. That's inflating the value of Mike Williams, where Mm -hmm. in redraft leagues, that's probably not going to be so much the case. Because if you've already got Keenan Allen or Herbert, you know, he's a priority target. So you have to go get him at that spot. There's no... The Michael Pittman at 30 isn't like, oh, man, I already have Matt Ryan. I need to get Michael Pittman as well to really (laughs) fill out these Colts stacks. No, he's just independently going at number 30. And I feel like that's going to stick. That that seems too high for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's probably not going to burn you too much there, but I don't see the ceiling. Even Mike Williams, like even taking the best ball aspect out of it, I see a ceiling that he can achieve that Michael Pittman can't achieve. You know, and there's, you know, if Keenan Allen falls off or gets hurt, then all of a sudden more targets are opening up for Mike Williams, who did for a stretch last year match Keenan Allen to start the year. It didn't last, and we can't expect them to be right with Keenan Allen in terms of target share to start the year. But a Mike Williams target is more valuable than a Keenan Allen target. I mean, Mike Williams can get down the field. He's playing with you know a more talented quarterback than Michael Pittman is playing with. He's playing in an offense that's way more fantasy-friendly. They're going to be among the league leaders in plays per game. They're going to have a positive pass rate over expectation. So, you know, there's a ceiling there that Pittman can achieve. Of course, Pittman's going to beat him out in terms of base target share. That's going to give him a a better floor and a better median outcome. Four comparables going around that point in drafts overall from all positions. Nick Chubb, 25. Javante Williams, 27. James Conner, 32. Travis Etchin at number 33. And the one that I like, here's just a very easy example. If I had picked number 30 and my two choices were Michael Pittman or Kyle Pitts, I would take Kyle Pitts at number 34, overtaking Michael Pittman at number 30. Like I I get why they're going close in drafts. So if we want to talk about upside plus position scarcity, I just don't see why it wouldn't be Pitts. Yeah, and it also depends, you know, what type of league format you're drafting. DraftKings best ball you know, maybe you just want to build out a bit more wide receiver depth. But if I'm in a casual league where I think I'm smarter than most of my friends, or you think you're smarter than most of your friends, and you can beat them on pure rankings, you know, throughout the draft, you can't replicate an elite onesie position. You know, like you can't manufacture that with like, you know, Mike Jasicki late or Irv Smith late. Like those guys could be fine, but you're seeding an advantage at the position. Whereas at wide receiver, we can find some guys Gabriel Davis, maybe um, some, but we can find some guy, Brand, your guy, Brandon Cooks, that go a couple rounds later that you could match Michael Pittman. Whereas you, at tight end, you're not really finding that. So I'm, I'm pretty pro if it's close going to the onesie position, especially if it's a just like a redraft managed home league. It's really funny that when we talk about redraft leagues for years, it's been hey, let's just punt quarterback. You can take a quarterback whenever. You don't need to take a bench quarterback because you can just pick one up every single week. And obviously, each different league has different rules. So maybe it is advantageous to carry two. And this isn't... I'm not talking about super flex here. I'm talking about one quarterback league. No two quarterback, no super flex, none of that stuff. But you just find, like you said, the onesie position where it does seem like at tight end, 
you want to reach on a tight end to fill that one spot where still you can still just wait on quarterback if you really wanted to, which is just kind of funny to think about. The, I guess it's just because there are so many good quarterbacks versus good tight ends. Yeah, I I actually like I like getting I think you should be getting an elite onesie at one of the two positions. I think quarterback it's too early in round three. The opportunity cost is just too high, especially compared to the guys you can get a few rounds later. But the first six, seven rounds, I like getting a quarterback a lot more than I have previously. Saw a tweet from Chris Towers that I think it was something around quarterbacks drafted outside the top 12, you know, comprised like 50% of QB one weeks, you know, from I think it was like the four or five years prior to the last couple of seasons. And then the last couple of seasons, that percentage has dropped to 33%. So these quarterbacks are starting to separate in a more meaningful way and a more predictable way. Um, TJ Hernandez also had some good data on this last season, but the guys that are being drafted in the top 12, Pat, are like really likely to be in the top 12 quarterbacks. Uh, you're not finding a lot of guys late that can match that upside. And it's because the archetypes are changing where we're seeing quarterbacks that have, you know, either the dual upside in terms of rushing and passing, you know, even guys that are just straight rushers, like, God, I was such a Tarod Taylor fan a few a handful of years ago, but he, he wouldn't be anywhere close to the top 12 now, even with his rushing ability, because you need both. And then you get other guys like Tom Brady that their team score a ton of points, but they just keep throwing no matter what. Like we get these teams that are a bit smarter in terms of understanding they can keep passing no matter what. So I do like getting an elite quarterback if I can, you know, within reason. I think round three is too early, but you start getting into rounds five, six. Um, I, I start to see it. Well, right now, quarterbacks off the board. Josh Allen's going around pick 21. Mahomes around pick number 30. Yeah. Herbert, 35. And then you're into Lamar and Joe Burrow, 53 and 54. I worry about that Burrow number. That's the, that's the first one of those that I don't know if I, I, I mean, I wouldn't take Mahomes at number 30. I'd take Kyle Pitts instead. I would lean tight elite tight end over elite quarterback uh, at the top of any sort of fantasy football draft, be it, I mean, in best ball, it's different because you're trying to build out stacks, but in a redraft league, that's a no brainer for me. But Burrow seems to be the first one of those numbers that legitimately does not make any sense to me. Like why is Burrow a better fantasy quarterback than Kyler 10 picks later or Jalen Hurts 15 picks later. I'd wager Jalen Hurts probably finishes with more fantasy points. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow, is, he's got to be QB 7 or later. And I think QB 7s like as high as he should be drafted. And that that's probably I, a good spot. But like, why is Matt Stafford going 25 picks after Joe Burrow? Don't they do exactly the same thing? Yeah, I think they're very similar. I think Burrow, you could talk yourself into a bit more upside in that you could maybe see the offense evolve to a point where they're throwing more frequently. We saw it at times last year, but overall I'm in agreement with you. They're very similar. They're guys that you're going to need to be very efficient throwing the ball because they're not going to be huge pass volume guys. And they're also not going to run a ton. Uh, I think Burrow probably runs a little bit more than Stafford, especially another year removed from that ACL injury, but it's still not, you know, it's not making a huge dent into his fantasy score. So there's, there's no way in my opinion, you can take Burrow over Hertz or over Kyler over Lamar, those three quarterbacks, they those three quarterbacks could be the overall QB one. And Burrow, it, it would just take an epic, you know, passing season to get there. And it's hard to bet on that on a team that has the talent, but also has a coaching staff that was pretty boring, pretty average, all things considered in terms of play calling last year. Burrow at pick 54 or Tom Brady at pick 100? I get the people like, oh, Brady's old. Oh, whatever, whatever, I mean, that's whatever. Brady. 
Yeah, that's Brady. I mean, you got to be going Brady, I think, there. I, I would um, I would agree. Like, Dak is even going, like, 30 picks later, which, I mean... Yeah, that's that's a tier. I think it's a teardrop off, and maybe Burrow's the first to the next tier, but he's in that... T- like he's closer... I think he should be closer to Dak than he should be to Hertz and, and Herbert and Kyler. What would you say the per-game gap this year will be between Joe Burrow and Derek Carr? Because you have to think, you like, have to think the Raiders throw yeah. a little bit more this year, right? With McDaniel's. Yeah, I, I'm. We're pretty high on the Raiders, which includes being, you know, somewhat high on Derek Carr. We have him as QB thirteen. About, we have him like two rounds after Burrow. So I don't know, like one and a half fantasy points per game, maybe something like that. Yeah, I think it's worth waiting. This, I'm, I'm spitballing though. I'm not. No, no, that's fair. I, I, I think, I think my, my, I think my point is just trying to be. I think it's worth waiting the 70 picks for 1.5 points per game. Yeah, Burrow is a guy that right now I'm only taking on DraftKings best ball if, you know, I've started with Chase and T and I really am like pushing this stack. But as an individual play in a vacuum, he's one of the worst quarterback values among the top quarterbacks. Because as you mentioned, his path to be the number one overall guy, just it's not that it's not there. We just saw Brady finish as the number one quarterback two years ago. It's possible that guys that don't run the ball, that they have to have such a significant outlier upside here. And like you said, that the Bucks continue to pass over expectation and the Bengals just don't. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, you could make a compelling argument. I mean, we have Brady behind Burrow, but... I think they're probably pretty similar. Like when it's all said and done where Brady maybe even has a little bit of an edge over Burrow, because at least, you know, you're going to get a tons and tons of pass volume and you're probably going to get the team scoring more points. And when you're looking at pure passers, like those are the two things that matter the most. Um, Burrow's definitely got an edge, especially with like Godwin Hurd and Gronk retiring. I think Burrow's got an edge and the youth and the upside of the receivers with T Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, but it's not like, you know, Brady's going to get Godwin at some point. He's got Mike Evans. So, yeah, I th- you're going to need like a 45 passing touchdown season from Burrow, 45 to 50 to, to really get there. And like you said, it can happen, but that's not the type of bet I want to make. Looking at the medium projections from runthesims.com right now, it has Joe Burrow at quarterback number seven in fantasy points, but that is with him leading the league in passing yards. And still that puts him four points ahead of Kyler Murray and seven points ahead of Tom Brady, two guys going significantly after him at the moment. Although Kyle, this is, this is how we only ended up ranking 10 wide receivers last show, by the <laughs> way, it was, was div- just dividing off into talking about this, but I, and now I'm into this. I think people will be into this as well. I'm worried about Kyler as a fantasy asset because he is, at his best, I mean, obviously earlier in the year before he's banged up every single season, but even last year, we didn't get the rushing we wanted out of him. We got the rushing touchdowns early when he kept calling his own name near the goal line, but it reminded me more of like a vintage, even Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson type rushing season where he started to rush only when he needed a first down. There weren't a lot of designed plays for him to run, especially later on in the year, and that just crippled his fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want the huge rushing upside, but I think he's always going to be a threat by the goal line, and the team should be pretty good in terms of scoring. And, I mean, still 423 yards in 14 games with five touchdowns. You know, hopefully he can 
stay fully healthy for a full season. And I mean, we saw what he did two years ago. So I don't think you can completely discount what he did two years ago. You're not expecting that as the base, but a guy who can run for 800 yards and double digit touchdowns, like that gives you that huge ceiling. And what's great about Kyler and some of these guys is they're not, they're not overly reliant on that. Um, you know, in some ways, Kyler is like, you can kind of get the DAC passing numbers a little bit more rushing upside. So I'm still pretty into Kyler. What if I told you that one of those guys did just that and it was rushed for 800 yards and double digit touchdowns, just say that's this mystical number that we're, we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks that could get there, who is more likely Jalen hurts or Kyler Murray, Jalen hurts. I would agree. Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, Lamar. I'm huge. I'm, I'm really, I think Lamar's should be the QB two. Uh, I think he's the best value right now of the elite quarterbacks. Josh Allen or Kyler Murray? I think that one's really close. I actually think that might be Kyler, um, but I think that one's really close. Justin Fields or Kyler Murray? Um, See, we're we're having real Kyler. Go Kyler. Okay, Trey Lance or Kyler Murray? Lance. See, I think it's Lance too. Like I think Lance is a better fantasy pick this year than Kyler Murray, based on where they're going. But I think the what's nice about Kyler, though, especially compared to Fields and Lance, I think the passing component of things is just going to be on a different level than those guys. I mean, Kyler just, you know, he threw for 3,800 yards in 14 games. Um, I think he can, you know, he can go over 4K yards. I don't know how often, like, Justin Fields is hitting 4K yards passing. Well, we have the median at 3,700 yards, assuming the full 17 games of Justin Fields this year. We do have Trey Lance at 4,200. But we have the rushing way down. We have the rushing below Kyler Murray, which I disagree with completely, and the passing above Kyler Murray. I'd probably swap those two things. Like Trey Lance, 100 yeah, rushes I for. So. I mean, I think that's baking in that he's. I don't think that's for a full 17 games. Like when you do the medium projection, that he either loses his job or gets hurt or something mm-hmm. like that. But you're not drafting Trey Lance under the assumption that he's going to get hurt or lose his job, or else you wouldn't draft him to begin with. So if you are drafting him and projecting him out over 17 games, like 515 rushing yards seems super low. Like he could have double that. Yeah, I think he's going to run a ton. I mean, between designed runs and then scrambles. Yeah, Lance Lance is an incredible value. He's starting to get more expensive, but he's like you said, if you're playing for the ceiling there, Lance is a really good bet to beat his ADP if he's starting, you know, 15-ish games. And that ties back into the Debo thing that we talked about a little bit. What does the Debo affect? I mean, maybe it's helpful that it pushes him back out to receiver more. There are a few fewer carries out of the backfield because there are fewer running opportunities now with Trey Lance running the ball far more often than Jimmy G was ever going to run the ball, that those opportunities have now evaporated where he did so much of his scoring last year. And as I have said, I would just prefer that Debo be an outside receiver, be a slot receiver, maybe carry the ball twice a game on a reverse, line him up in the backfield for misdirection, whatever it may be. But if we're now talking about a quarterback who's likely going to call his own name around the goal line and run the ball seven to 12 times a game, maybe more, those are just fewer opportunities to go around. Yeah, I mean, and that's where San Francisco offenses like San Francisco are always tough to digest from a fantasy perspective, because I think individually you can make huge ceiling cases for a lot of guys, but then, you know, collectively it's going to be hard for all of them to get there and to match their ADP. You know, Denver's one like that for me, Philly to an extent where, 
you know, just because of the way the play calling is, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for all those guys to get there. But at the same time, the scoring upside on these offenses, the efficiency upside on these offenses is really huge. And I have a tough time with them just knowing like, at what point do you let go and just say, okay, that, you know, this ADP is too rich, even though the upside's there, because we know in the median case, uh, there's going to be some struggles. So Michael Pittman is here. Mike Williams, we've discussed both of them. I think that I would have McLaurin and Cooks for sure over both those guys. I bet you you disagree. Yeah, I do disagree with that. Um, I'm I'm down on Cooks relative to you for sure. As you were last year and lost money because of it. As I was last year and lost money on it. Um, I'm probably too low on Cooks, but I think I think we're starting to get Cooks kind of like in the Pittman level where I just don't see any upside beyond it. I suppose we have a little bit more evidence that we could see, you know, this massive target share from Cooks. We saw it at the beginning of last year, but it was somewhat more tame over the second half of the season. And I guess that, you know, that's sort of what I'm using to prognosticate going forward. And McLaurin, man, I think Carson Wentz is like low key, really bad. I think McLaurin's, I don't think you, you could make a case that his target share is a little bit more stable, a little bit safer with Carson Wentz, who just fed Michael Pittman, you know, 25.4% target share on average over the course of last season. But, you know, he, he's someone that's not great in the locker room. The team could maybe be worse because of that. He's someone who, from an efficiency standpoint, you know, t- Taylor Heineke even provided a bit more upside in the passing game than Carson Wentz did, even if it was came with a bit more volatility. So, I have a tough time with this range of wide receivers in general. The guy we haven't talked about too much that I put ahead of all these guys is DJ Moore, um, which is probably no surprise because I've always been a DJ Moore stand, but he's exceeded 1,150 yards, three straight seasons. Does it like clockwork? Does it, you know, no matter how the offense is running, no matter how bad the QB play is. And I think there's probably a season in there where just one year he runs hot on touchdowns. And we're looking at him completely differently than we are now because he's only scored four touchdowns each of the last three seasons. This is the wide receiver range right now of where they're going overall. Deontay Johnson at 44, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Gabriel Davis. They go back to back to back to back to back in drafts at the moment. I mean, I don't hate that order because I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to Deontay Johnson, who I probably will have at the very top of this tier. I didn't consider Allen Robinson in this tier, though. Like all the other guys I think you make a pretty viable case for. I get Allen Robinson's addition in here, but that just feels like, oh, he finally has a guy throwing him the ball. And that, that's the one good thing about McLaurin is no matter how shitty Carson Wentz is, how much shittier could he be than all the other Washington quarterbacks who've ever thrown him a ball? Yeah, that him and DJ Moore kind of both have that going for them where but like it can't get too much worse than last year. So in some ways, we've already seen them succeed in that scenario. So uh, it makes us feel a little bit better about the floor and then better about the ceiling if the quarterback play this year just happens to be better than we anticipate, which we don't anticipate it being well. I'm interested slash glad to hear that you don't have Allen Robinson this tier. He's someone at ETR we've been much lower on than the market and trying to make the numbers work and see what the market is seeing. I think you really 
like you can't totally discount last year when Darnell Mooney was earning more targets than him, right? Like he, he, he was hurt. He, like I, I actually think his it could have been him not wanting to come back to a terrible Bears team, but it seemed like, and we've seen this in a bunch of sports now, where when guys get COVID, some guys come back, they're fine. It seemed like mm-hmm. he legitimately struggled for two months after having COVID. Yeah, and I mean maybe, but it's. I'm just looking at, you know, his, his age and his seasons. And I'm concerned with an age 28 season that looks really, really bad, even with, you know, the health factors and the quarterback factors and the coaching factors. And then you go to a team where he's blocked from a really high end target share and the team's not going to throw a ton. I do see the path to let's say Cooper cup gets hurt. And now all of a sudden Allen Robinson could have, a massive season. And those are the types of things we should be thinking about because chaos unfolds over the course of a year. But I think even waiting that upside case with the median case, he falls short of this tier. Um, I don't know. I'm just not, not quite seeing it with Robinson, the way the market is. If I told you that Allen Robinson garnered an 18% share of the targets in this Rams offense and had a catch rate of 65%, where do you think that would put him out in terms of projections overall amongst wide receivers with a 60% pass uh, rate it, from the Rams? Yeah. 18% target share. And I mean, that that's close to what we have and we have him. Um, we have the ADP tied in a little bit just to, you know, give some respect to the market, but we have him more like wide receiver 26 ish instead of the wide receiver 21 that he's going. So, so I would say that would put him around if you're not making the ADP round wide receiver 30. When Simply Safe Home Security founders Chad and Eleanor Lauren designed their first security system in their kitchen, they did it for a very personal reason. Their friends had just had their home broken into. They were struggling to find a security system that was easy to set up and use, offered reliable, comprehensive protection, and with service plans that were flexible and affordable. So they created Simply Safe so they could feel safe again. Making people safe is what Simply Safe has been doing ever since that moment 15 plus years ago. Simply Safe has highly trained security experts ready whenever you need them, whether that's during a break in, a fire, medical emergency, or even when you're just setting up the system. There's always someone there who has your back to keep you safe and make sure you feel safe. As my listener, you can claim a free indoor security camera plus save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free with interactive monitoring service. Visit simplysafe.com/mayo to customize your system and start protecting your home and family today. Again, that's simplysafe.com/mayo. S I M P L I S A F E.com/mayo. So by the median projections that we have in place at Run the Sims right now, I think this is, we're going to be the lowest on Allen Robinson of anyone around. And this kind of jives with what I'm going with. We can even artificially put them up, put them down. You can customize anything you want. If you think these are stupid, just go in, use your email, sign up, completely free, go adjust this. And maybe it's the touchdown market share that we're way too low on. We have it at 12%. Because uh, you have Cooper Cup, you have Cam Akers. And maybe he just takes over and has one of these ridiculous 16 touchdown seasons. It takes away from Cup. It takes away from Van Jefferson. And that's kind of the end of the story uh, with him. Higby doesn't do anything. They don't run the ball a ton when they get inside the five-yard line, which if they're not throwing to Cooper Cup, they tend to do a lot of the time. But those medium projections give him wide receiver 62 status this year. 62. Wow. 
I was way off. Um, but I think we've talked about this. I think we're like slightly more conservative on a base across the board. So comparing to other receivers, but we have him kind of similar to what you do, um, like expecting a target share in the high teens. And you start to look at the way this offense operates, like Cooper Cup's going to see a huge target share. We have him, you know, lower than last year. And it still just doesn't leave a ton of room. If you think this team re-signs Odell and he plays down the stretch, that's a factor. They're going to play a third wide receiver. Van Jefferson's going to get a little bit while at least the beginning of the season. And they're going to use Higby in the passing game. So it's tough for a team that you know doesn't throw a ton. Again, they're kind of like the Bengals a little bit in terms of their play calling, where it's not bad, but it's just like they're running around the league average amount in plays. They're running you know, maybe a little bit higher than expected in terms of pass rate. I guess we do have the pass rate a little bit higher than, um, uh, I absolutely, I absolutely fucked that up. Cause I went and made the manual adjustment to 60%, but I accidentally put in 60% rushing rate instead of passing rate. That's why he was wide receiver 60 something. He's wide receiver 37. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. I was closer then. I was closer then with my, uh, I, my wide receiver 30. Yes. I, I guess here's my question. Why is Allen Robinson at pick 48? a must have according to people who are drafting and Van Jefferson's pick number 143. Well, I think we've just seen enough from Van Jefferson to know the talent isn't there. And with Allen Robinson, you it's kind of like there? people like, yeah, it's kind of like me with Juju, you know, admittedly uh, you're just, you're dreaming a little bit on something you have that is a little bit more tangible that you have seen before. Whereas you know, Van Jefferson, there's just, such a low chance that he's actually really good at this point in his career. It's just, it's so low. Um, I, I mean, think it's why, why are we thinking that Van Jefferson is terrible? Van Jefferson has been pretty good over the course of his career. He's been behind Cooper cup, he, Robert Woods, and then Odell in this offense. He's been okay. I mean, I, he's he's not going to earn a target share like Allen Robinson could. Like there's, I, I don't think there's a world where Van Jefferson's earning 25 to 28% of Matthew Stafford's targets. Whereas Allen I don't Robinson see that with Allen Robinson. No, Cup. that's not going to happen. With, yeah. If Cooper cup dies, then yeah, maybe Allen Robinson can get up there. But like that but matters. Sure. If, but if, if I, if I, if I gave you a percentage right now, how many times out of a hundred does Allen Robinson beat Van Jefferson in fantasy scoring for the season? 80. 80? Really? You'd say one, four out of five times. I'll 70, drop. maybe 70, maybe 70. So now I'd we're, say, now, we're getting, mean, we're now we're shrinking that down a little bit. I don't think it's a, but, I don't, but, I don't, like, I don't think it's a hundred points of ADP difference. It's not, but so these outcomes where it's like unlikely that Cooper cup dies, but like what happens in those outcomes matters. First of all, I, I don't sure, think. Sure. But we're also, I think, think Allen Robinson is, is going too high. He's the type of guy I would really like if he was going round seven, where I could be like, okay, he's like not going to kill you as is. And then if Cooper cup dies, you hit a league winner. Like that's the sort of bet I would rather make on Allen Robinson. So I think he's going too early, but I do think that, you know, he's meaningfully better than Ben Jefferson or at least has meaningfully more upside. Another name I want to throw into this tier that I think we discussed a little bit in part one, I've discussed a few times on the show already, is how much I like Amari Cooper this year. 
So I'm throwing him in to this mix, and that's not where he is being drafted whatsoever. He's a guy that you could probably wait on for a round or two, or if you want to go get him, go up a round to go get him. And I don't care if it's Jacoby Brissett for all 17 games. People can talk about Mart Bell, the rookie, all they want in Cleveland, and Njoku breakout season. There's one guy there he's going to get. It's the same theory as the Brandon Cooks theory. Like, there's one guy who might get 35% of his team targets, even if they do run a ton. It's Amari Cooper, who's a good player. Yeah, I think once the ADP starts getting him more like wide receiver 30-ish uh, at that point, he's a really good value. I think I'm not as high on him as you. I don't think he should be in this tier, but I think he could lead off the next tier or be you know, right in that next tier after. Okay. I would mo- I would much prefer him over Allen Robinson. Let's let's put it that way. So it seems like we've condensed this tier down. I'll even take I'll take out Amari Cooper from this tier, although I might put him back in because he's my guy. Uh, he's being drafted very near DK Metcalf at this point. And the issue with Metcalf, I think, as you kind of stated on the last show, it's not that Metcalf is an inherently bad pick. It's that Lockett is just so much better of a pick right now. Yeah, and it depends where the ADP is. The last ADP we pulled from DraftKings, which might be a little bit old now, uh, had Metcalf at wide receiver 28. Is that, And that starts to become a lot more reasonable. He started the year basically as like wide receiver 16, which was insane to me. Uh, why, 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 is, why is that insane, though, honestly? Wide receiver 16 for yeah. DK Metcalf? Yeah. You have a team with a bad defense that's probably going to have to throw, even though they don't want to throw. But they're not going to. They're they're not going to throw, even though it's going to be like Jeff Fisher. Like they're just going to stay within two scores. They're not going to throw, even though they have to throw. They're going to go at a super slow pace. We have them running four more plays per game than they did last year, and they're still dead last in the NFL on our projections by one play per game. The quarterback play, I think, is underestimated. Like how severe that drop-off is and what was dk metcalf last year like he barely in a full season where he was basically healthy the whole year he barely got to wide receiver 16 okay so he's not on this tier then the other two names that we have not discussed as of yet deontay johnson and jalen waddle so we have tyree kill ranked at number 10 number yeah number 10 wide receiver number 10 which i do think is lower than market right now and i think we've had this discussion we'll see where you're at right now Jalen Waddle versus Tyreek Hill fantasy points. Who scores more? How many? What percentage of the time? I think Jalen Waddle will outscore Tyreek Hill more times than Hill outscores Waddle. Really? Boom. This is my hot take. So the ETR ranks, you know, that are more the group consensus have Tyreek Hill ahead of uh, Jalen Waddle. And I think that can also both these things can be true where when Tyreek Hill hits his ceiling case, it's just higher because he's such a dynamic playmaker, which we've seen, you know, regardless of the quarterback play, like Tyreek Hill clearly can make things happen, has this huge ceiling, but I honestly wouldn't be shocked Pat if Waddle out targeted Tyreek Hill and he's going to have a higher catch rate than, than Tyreek Hill. So from a median perspective, if you're getting as many or more targets and you have a higher catch rate, like your median outcome is probably going to be better. Um, just because there's a little bit more variance in the playmaking with Tyreek Hill, a little bit more dependency on the big plays and the volatile touchdowns, which we're playing that fantasy game to win. Those things matter in fantasy, which leads into Hill being ranked ahead of Jalen Waddle. But ultimately, I'm a really big fan of Waddle. Uh, just a super encouraging rookie season for a guy who had a ton of draft capital. And I think 
the thing that held him back last year was there was just no yak with a lot of this ADOT stuff, you know, that he was getting really high catch rate. I think if they can use him in a similar fashion this year in an offense that has Tyreek Hill to stretch the field and a coach that is coming from an offense in San Francisco where they're just absolute yak monsters and yak Kings, Waddle could have a really, really impressive season. He's probably my favorite pick at the three, four turn right now. So you're breaking away from the Kinshipsis and going out on your own in terms of Jalen Waddle is what you're saying. Uh, once in a while, I gotta be. I can't just be like lukewarm, lukewarm. Like, oh, you gotta take around ADP. So yeah, that's my hot take. Give me Jalen Waddle. All right. So that means should we bump up Jalen Waddle to the top of this tier? Or would you prefer DJ Moore or Deontay Johnson? I would have Waddle at the top of the tier, um, but I think DJ Moore's uh, Waddle and DJ Moore are my two favorites of this tier. And then I think it gets pretty pretty muddied there's one guy we didn't talk about that i think belongs in this tier at the back end Let, can, maybe can, maybe can, start the next tier. can i can i make my guess on who it is and i i don't agree with it if it's this person but is it hollywood brown yes okay it is hollywood brown I um i think maybe start of the next tier though i think we could go start i think we can put him next tier but i don't like i'd take hollywood over amari cooper right, let's bet, bet you on that we, were, we were looking at we were looking for the other bet there's the bet because i was a the fact that you like your side so much and i like my side so much this is the perfect bet even money 100 bucks amari cooper outscores hollywood brown in fantasy football 2022 now, i'm gonna rack this up to four and zero against you here soon what what was the juju was it juju cooks yeah was it juju we double down on that cooks okay Whew, let's do it i like at least it. i don't have money on chenault this year i it's funny i saw davis talking about this on twitter it just davis is a good barometer of this type of situation because no one loved chenault more than davis loved chenault you, you guys all love chenault but davis was really pounding that wagon with these stats he was finding and really making the case you know who he's doing that to right now is it sky Moore? no it's gabriel davis oh i know he is but I, that doesn't doesn't dude. gabe like a gabe davis bad year this year doesn't that just reek of Chanel? Like, and I don't mean like bad year as bad no. as Chanel had, but like bad year where he's wide receiver 33 or something like that. Yeah, but if you could say, if his bad year is wide receiver 33, he's an absolute smash because the ceiling's so huge. So I think yeah, the yeah, between if he's, Chanel, if, if he's wide receiver 33, he was so good because he sucked, but he could have been good. I'm just saying, like, if you're telling me that's the downside, like, I'm in. If that's if the. Because the difference between him and Chanel, okay, Chanel was from the very beginning a guy that we liked as a prospect, you know, just kind of little group think like, oh, we're smart. Like, this is a good prospect. He had better draft, you know, he had this decent draft capital. And like, we wanted Chanel to be a thing. Um, Gabriel Davis has some similarities in that he was a bit of an analytics darling as a prospect, but he's actually done a lot more stuff at the NFL level than LaVisca Chanel has done and he's in a much better contextual position than LaVisca Chenault was ever in. And the coaching staff, I think has more faith and support in Gabriel Davis and, you know, LaVisca Chenault ever had. So, um, I'm, I think Gabriel Davis, I get where, if you're just looking at the total numbers, it looks like a huge leap. You know, it's a guy who's literally caught, 35 balls each of his first two seasons and we're drafting a guy who caught 35 balls in each of his he's going to need to at least double that to come close to paying off his adp but 
I think if you look at the way things developed last season, um, once all the guys were healthy for the playoff run, including Manny Sanders and Cole Beasley, it was Gabriel Davis playing hundred percent of the team's offensive snaps in that first playoff game against new England that went a little bit unseen just because of the way that game unfolded where they just smashed new England. And then same thing, Kansas city, he's clearly the team, the team's number two wide receiver has one of the greatest wide receiver playoff games of all time. And now we're heading into a season where they have not replaced Manny Sanders on the outside. They brought in Jamison Crowder to replace Cole Beasley. There's not competition here. The opportunity is going to be there. I think the talent's there. I think it's a, a completely different situation than this Chenault one. Sure. I just meant about how much you guys just want something to happen. And it's probably that, just going to happen. Yeah. The, I'm trying to be better about that. The, there's a point at which cost always matters, I think, is the big thing. Um, and I think sometimes as a group, uh, when we have these players that we really like in a vacuum, we lose sight of, at the end of the day, the biggest part of measuring the expected value of a draft pick is, you know, what, what the opportunity cost was like, who else could you have taken? And sometimes we just zone in on, on certain players and get blinded between other players that are better bets just because we don't have that attachment to the player. It's actually funny. The players going around Gabriel Davis. I think, I mean, the fact that George Kittle is going one pick after again, just give me the tight end in that sort of situation. Lamar Jackson's going two picks later. I don't think I'd splurge on a quarterback that highly. I would prefer Lamar Jackson. It's the guys like Ray, like I said, Allen Robinson is now currently going ahead of Gabriel Davis at 47. Gabriel Davis is 48 in drafts. But once you drop back to like, I like Josh Jacobs. I like Brendan Cooks. Uh, I like Amari Cooper. I like Amon Ross St. Brown. I probably don't like St. Brown more than Davis, but I think that they're very much in the same neighborhood. So I think that there's just like, he should be going 10 to 12 picks later for me to even consider him. And even 10 to 12 picks later, I still like some of those other guys more than him anyway. But there does seem to be like this little bit of a dead zone here amongst just guys I don't like at this price. I think what's nice if you're playing in a home league is that Gabriel Davis is not, I don't think, unless you're playing in home leagues in Buffalo, going to be nearly as expensive as he is in these best ball leagues because you know the type of, of fantasy players that are playing these best ball leagues, uh, as you kind of noted, they're they're Gabriel Davis stands. So I think he will be going, you know, around later in most of those managed leagues. But I'm still into him um in basketball just I think the ceilings uh, absolutely massive, but I like Amon Ross St. Brown more. I'm really high on Amon Ross St. Brown. You like him more than Gabriel Davis, really? Uh, DraftKings full PPR scoring. I think Amon Ra can be an absolute monster. I think uh, I always go on this tangent, so I hate to be repetitive, but there are situations where I feel like in years past we would have totally overrated you know, a stretch like he had. And now the fantasy industry is almost done a 180. And sometimes we're not appreciative enough or undervaluing a stretch like he had. Like it was a hot stretch to end the season. But Pat, we're talking, you know, from week 13 on 29% target share, 31%, 42%, 31%, 30%, 31%. Just the fact that you had that in your range of outcomes, obviously not expecting that as base, but you know, that that's a six week stretch in which his average target share was 32 and a half percent. That's insane. And he was doing stuff with, with those targets too. And he was also, you know, making some plays on the ground, which is just a good sign that a player is talented. 
I think this offense as a whole is going to provide him with more target competition this year, but I think it's going to be better. I think the Lions could be sneaky good and sneaky fun on offense, and that should you know help solidify the floor of everybody, even if it takes a little bit away from that base ceiling. And again, still factoring in like we know it's possible he can have a stretch where he earns over 30% of targets because he did it and he did it successfully. What do you suppose the timeline on Jameson Williams is? Man, I think he's got to miss like half the season. And the Jamison Williams thing like, is did, tough to me. Does, does DJ Chark have anything left in the tank? I hope so. I be, I think there's enough targets to go around that I actually want these, some of these guys to play and be good because I think it helps the offense overall, especially when you're talking to shorter ADOT guy and I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like, I want the field stretchers in DJ Chark and Jameis Williams to be out there. You know, I want them playing. I think that's good for Amon Ross St. Brown to, you know, to an extent. So basically the Amon Ross St. Brown great season that you're looking for is like a vintage Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type season, but with like more explosive power to the end zone from 50 yards out. Yeah. I think it's maybe somewhere between that type of season and the Debo season last year. Um, maybe not last year because last year he, his yards per catch was just so high. Um, but I think he could be pretty efficient and he can succeed and just have a ton of yak like Debo has. Our projections don't like Deontay Johnson whatsoever. We have him for 80 catches and 848 yards on 129 targets. Just if he's going to have 130 targets this season, it would strike me as almost impossible. He'd be below a thousand yards. I think I'm really lukewarm on Deontay Johnson. We have him for 968 yards off of 87 catches. I think that's, we have him for 139 targets. So right around the thousand yard season, but on about half a target more per game, roughly. This is a weird one for me because I think Ben Roethlisberger was so bad and there's some upside in any offense that shifts from a quarterback that's just absolutely horrific to basically anybody else. That said, I'm not exactly a huge fan of Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. And I also wonder if as bad as Ben Roethlisberger was, it might not have been that bad for Deontay Johnson from a fantasy perspective. Okay. Like, so, 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 so here's the question. Is is it better or worse that Ben has gone for Deontay Johnson? Is even like I think no matter if it's Pickett or if it's Trubisky, it's an upgrade from what we saw from Ben last year. How much? I have no idea. But will they lock into Deontay Johnson as much as Ben did? Because that's where Ben went. Right. Deontay Johnson had 170 targets last year, 169 for 1161 yards. Drop that down to like, could he do that again? Like, is it that Ben loved Deontay Johnson so much? Or was Deontay Johnson just the only guy open on the field? And they haven't brought in anyone really new to replace him. So he's still going to be the only guy open on the field. Yeah. And for me, like, ultimately, I, I guess I just have it, like, as a wash. Whereas I'm definitely, like, I'm more excited for Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster's quarterback upgrades because of how they were utilized and the types of players that they could be. Whereas Deontay Johnson, I kind of view it as, as a wash where you're taking on some risk that the target share isn't as high, but you're also getting a little bit more upside that, 
hey, what if he gets the same target share with a quarterback that isn't absolutely atrocious? It feels like the case you made for Amon Ross St. Brown, you can just make that same case for Deontay Johnson, but his floor is higher. Yeah, I have Deontay ahead of Amon Ra, um, to, to be clear. Amon Ra is a much better value compared to where his ADP is. But I think Deontay, like I think Deontay, I probably have Deontay slightly ahead of Pittman and McLaurin. Okay, the McLaurin thing's really interesting for me because if Wentz can somehow elevate his same group, it can elevate his catch rate, like on pure skill, and this is just from my non-scout eyes watching it. You watch Terry McLaurin, it seems like he's open every single play. Just someone, just drop <laughs> it in there, let him go get it. Yeah, the problem is Carson Wentz sucks. sucks. Yes, I'm with you. Like that's that's just the issue. And, and as we said, like. that's fine because McLaurin's done it with guys who stink, but I don't think it's like, I think it's a lateral move at quarterback for him. One of the things I enjoy about Carson Wentz uh, to help my fantasy players, although his skill level may not be super high and people will talk about the interception rate last year and how good it was, but how many times were you watching Colts games where the other team just dropped an interception from Carson Wentz that was thrown directly to them? It feels like it happened an awful lot. It felt like he ran hot on turnovers last year. However, one thing that he will do that a lot of quarterbacks will not do is just say, fuck it, I'm throwing it to you over there. I don't care if you're triple covered. You go up and get it. And McLaurin's the perfect type of guy for that. Yeah, that, and I, I was alluding to this a little bit, but I do wonder if Wentz is a little bit better for McLaurin just because I think there's a bit more stability in his target share, where sometimes you get these bad quarterbacks in there and the efficiency numbers at the end of the day are very similar, but you know they have a tougher time trying to squeeze the ball to the playmakers like they'll look elsewhere um that's like a purely like uh, an educated guess for me i don't know if that's true but well I there has like well there has to be saying it might be there, true. there has to be educated guesswork that goes into this we're doing rankings like in yeah. your in your projections you can model out hey here's the upside here's the downside here's the median here's how many plays we expect them to run here's who we expect to play but when we're, we're doing rankings and talking about who we're actually going to draft you need to be able to sell yourself on some sort of concept that your player is going to be better than the pick that you have him at there's a reason that he's going at the pick that yeah. you're taking him right now and that's where the average draft position comes comes in but if you can't sell yourself that he's gonna be better than that pick don't fucking take him yeah and Pittman Deontay McLaurin to me like are really similar in terms of I guess how I'm viewing them which is I think they're all basically fine and I would take the cheapest of the group and it's funny because I would throw Cooks and Amare Cooper into that mix with those two as well maybe I mean I think the Cooks's upside is plenty high just based on the volume mm-hmm. that he could see. And if Brissett is like, I mean, Brissett's not incompetent. He can throw to a guy and throw it to him down the field. That seems fine for him. I'd say Amari's floor is probably on the lower end than those guys. Right. And I'd probably agree with Pittman having the highest upside because maybe we just, but that's, I mean, McLaurin has the highest upside of those guys in my mind by far. But after that, it would be Pittman because who knows? Like it's the, it's the glory of the unknown is could he be even better than this? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's better than that. Or is he just a guy who's like 6 for 89 every week? Which is great, but maybe that's his fate. Like uh, fewer catches than Deontay Johnson, few more yards, same amount of touchdowns, and everything's a wash. The, the film the film gurus love Michael Pittman so much. Uh, that's not my forte, but they really do like Michael Pittman. Do, do they love Matt Ryan being the quarterback? I think they just love Michael Pittman so much that they don't care. But I will say, I think that Matt Ryan was in a really 
unenviable situation last year and Carson Wentz could be really, really bad in a lot of ways that you know, maybe there's a little bit more of a quarterback upgrade than we think here, but I just think some of that's neutered by the play calling where I, I don't know how much more it's going to matter, I guess. So Gabriel Davis and Marquise Brown are the two that I don't have a part of this like lumped tier right now. You say you would put them in this tier or would they be at the beginning of the next tier? I'm, I'm so confused what tier we're even on right now. Four. Did, we're still did we on, jump from... No, we're still on We're tier still four. on four? Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big tier, have, though. We had, like, we had like micro tiers for the other one. I would have Deontay Johnson in tier four, and then I'd probably go to tier five, and that's where I would have Gabriel Davis, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Hollywood Brown, and Allen Robinson. Ooh, I, I, I mean, Cooks is already, he's he's locked into tier four. Let's, let's he's locked into tier four. I know. I'm, let's be real here. So th- <laughs> this tier currently looks like this. And we would probably have to break this up into two tiers. So let's do the roundabout. Debo, Deontay, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Terry McLaurin, Brendan Cooks, Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddell, Amari Cooper, Gabriel Davis, Marquise Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. That's not the, Debo is the first one. The rest is open season on how we want to rank them. But that's the cluster of this tier right now. Do you think we should break that into two, or do you think we should add more names into it and break into two? Because you still have DK Metcalf. I think it would be Rashad Bateman. I would break it into two groups. I think Debo Waddle more. Like I think the I think you got to break it into two groups. I probably, if you don't want to like get too micro, I guess I'd probably cut it off after that trio of like Pittman, Deontay, McLaurin for me. Like I, I like McLaurin more than I like DJ more, so he's going up. He's going ahead of DJ Moore for me. So that leaves me with like Deontay, Mike Williams, Brennan Cooks. Where does Mike Williams fit into yeah. this with these guys? I put Mike Williams in that tier. I think for me, he should go at a similar cost as, you know, Pittman and Deontay and McLaurin, but he's a different bet. Like those three guys are similar to me, whereas Mike Williams is the, you know, he's the home run bet, but you definitely don't have you know, the target floor that you do for these other guys in a full PPR league, that's going to basically make it really difficult for them to have bad seasons as long as they stay healthy. So what was our bet again? It was Amari Cooper versus Chenault. That was, that's what it was. Oh, absolutely not. Who was it? Amari Cooper versus who? Pittman? Um, no, it wasn't. Pitt- oh God. How, did, how I don't even know who I, it was Hollywood. It was Ho- Hollywood versus Hollywood Brown. Okay. Yeah. So, Debo, Waddle, McLaurin, DJ Moore, tier four. That sound okay? Yeah, I can, I can do that. So tier five would be, okay. I got these five guys kind of lumped together here, and then I have the three below them: Deontay Johnson, Brendan Cooks, Amari Cooper, Michael Pittman, Mike Williams. Those five, and then it would be like Gabriel Davis, Marquise Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, would be like the next little mini yeah. tier after that. Yeah, I, I can, I can jive with that. I'll probably go Pittman. Do I want to go Cooper over Pittman? Yeah, I would take Cooper over Pittman. I, I know it's an ADP discussion That's, at that point, yeah. but like Cooper's just going way later than Michael Pittman, but I, I don't really care. I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. I'd rather have Brennan Cooks. I'd rather have Mike Williams over Pittman too. I'm not anti-Pittman, but... I think he's that that's the order. So tier five will be Deontay Johnson, Brennan Cooks, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman. And then that brings us to tier six. That's Gabriel Davis, Hollywood Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown. You said Allen Robinson. I don't want to put him in this tier. That leaves us with DK Metcalf, Rashad Bateman, Jerry Judy, Michael Thomas, 
Darnell Mooney Tunes, he's a part of that mix. Christian Kirk, I think you could probably throw in there. Adam Thielen is another one that I think deserves to be talked about of being in that tier. Whether or not they can make it there, I don't know. What do you think about Sudden? Sudden versus Judy? I have no real lean on it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do you have, like, can you sell me either way? I think Judy is safer, like, just the type of player he is. I think he's more likely to earn targets than Sutton, but Sutton definitely has, you know, the big play vibes from Russ that get, you know, get you really excited. And I went on that, you know, rant about San Francisco, how they're tough because the upside's there, but individually it's going to be tough for them all to hit ADP. Denver's certainly like that, where, I think both Judy and Sutton should probably be in this next tier based on pure upside, even though I know it's really unlikely that both of them are going to be like beat their ADP or in line with their ADP end of season here. But I think when you're doing ranks, you want to factor in that ceiling that really moves the needle in fantasy. I think both these guys have it. How long until we have to talk about Traylon Burks or Drake London? Yeah, rookies. Drake Lyman, I mean, Drake Lyman, Devonta Smith, I would throw in here as well. You probably, so some of the guys you mentioned, I would have like left out. Like, I don't, I don't know if Michael Thomas just, I don't think I really want much to do with Michael Thomas in this tier. Yeah, I think but he's down. It, okay. So, London so and, and Burks. Okay. What about Brandon Ayuk? Ayuk. I like him as a bounce back guy, but I still think this is too early. So I think the guys I would have next. So we talked about Gabe, Amon Ra, Sutton, Judy, Juju. You know, I would have in here. Not. Matt Cap. Not. Juju. Juju's going to be right. Um, I might put Juju in worst place in these rankings. Pass. Don't draft. Not even um, gonna, I'm not going to even include him in the rankings. So people don't like. <laughs> so people just think he's not in the league anymore. I'm with you on Bateman. I think Mooney's like at the very tail end of the tier. Uh, I'm not sold on. on format, I'm not. So, I'm not sold on Mooney either. By the way, I, I think, think he's overvalued. I think but I'd, like, I, I, I would. I, I would rather have Alan Lazard than Darnell Mooney. Okay, well that's ridiculous. It's not that's ridiculous. Why? Why? They're, they're the number one in an offense. One guy has one of the best quarterbacks ever throwing him the ball. The other one has a guy who'd rather run. You got to look at talent at some point. Alan Lazard, I mean, let's look at I It's hard because we haven't seen him without Devontae. You see, it's Adams, hard because really. we don't know. But, of course, Darnell Mooney Dude, is a fucking this, superstar. We're, talk, we're talking about a guy who's, like, getting, like, 12% target share. It's not like he was getting 18 and, and, and Devontae Adams is gone. I mean, he couldn't even crack the field to start the year. Alan, I mean, Liz, Alan Lazard is not it. Whereas Darnell Mooney, I'm is not make it. me make a case for Darnell Mooney. I'm not a big Darnell Mooney fan, but you know he cleared 1K yards in an offense that was absolutely anemic. You know he, his target shares were really high for a guy who has a high ADOT. I think he averaged like a 26 and a half percent target share last year. So, I mean, you, you can't compare. Darnell Mooney and Alan Lazard, get out of here. Well, here's the thing: you don't need to compare them. I think that just out. In terms of pure fantasy scoring, I think Lazard outscores Darnell Mooney, and they're currently going 40 picks apart. Yeah, because they should be going 40 picks apart. They should apart. not be going 40 picks apart. Now, Lazard, I, I don't know how much higher Lazard should be going, but Mooney should not be going at pick 58. Yeah. I mean, 58 is too early for Mooney. I'll agree with you there. But 
Alan Lazard's going to get out targeted by Sammy Watkins, dude. I mean, he's just, he just doesn't have it. Do you, do you want to make that bet? Tar- target targets for this season? Watkins versus Lazard? And I, can I get a, no, if no Sam insurance. Watkins makes the team. <laughs> <laughs> if they're both on the day one roster, Sammy Watkins will out target Alan Lazard. Okay. I, I will give you your provision that he has to make the team first. Cause he's so good. Make the team first. All right. I'll I don't it. have Sammy Watkins ranked ahead of Alan Lazard, but I think if he's there, he's going to out target him. You talked about the Denver guys. I've seen a lot of Twitter buzz about Tim Patrick. He's so like, you want to talk about a guy who's maybe the best receiver in football, according to some people, Tim Patrick. It depends which group of people. There's a group of people that thinks Tim Patrick's the best wide receiver in football. And there's a group of people that I'm admitting my bias, not part of that just likes to pretend Tim Patrick is, doesn't exist and will go away when time and time again, we've seen that that's not the case and he will not go away. Um, I mean, he's nowhere near this tier. I don't think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's here. I'm just kind of throwing he's, out names. He's pesky though, but he's pesky. Like that's the tough part with Denver. I, I like Albert. Oh, um, you know, I'm not on this KJ Hamler train that a lot of people are on. I just, I don't really see that happening, but even still it is, it's a little bit dicey for a team that we don't, we don't know what the play calling is going to be like, but my um, KJ Hamler is almost as fast as Troy Williamson. How couldn't he be good? I'm not falling into the KJ Hamler trap. The other, the other one I wanted to throw out because I'm just, and this is probably a discussion for part three of this when we break down the next year of guys, but Hunter <laughs> Renfro, why does everyone just assume he sucks now? I, I think Renfro is in the next tier, but I seem to like Renfro more than a lot of people. This is an offense. Okay. So this is where I could be wrong. And I hit on this with when we in part one with Devonte Adams, but I think even though there's three guys here that command a lot of targets, I think they're going to be the three guys like Renfro, Adams, and Waller. If they combine for seventy percent of the team's targets, they're going to be okay, you know. And then they do have some upside if one of the other two gets hurt, which is like a twenty percent chance that one of the other two gets hurt, you know. Like, um, and I think. Las Vegas is going to be a fun offense. I think they're going to throw a decent bit. I think Derek Carr is a little bit underrated. So I think Renfro is fine. I'd have him in the next tier, but I'm definitely not anti-Renfro. A lot of the names that we've kind of propped up, like that tier with the Deontay Johnson, tier five, Brennan Cooks, isn't Jacoby Myers just like the Bush League version of that? Of... Like Renfro? that, no, yeah, like I or, mean, that's how we're oh. like. I, I would say that Renfro is a very similar comp to Jacoby Myers this year. Obviously, Hunter Renfro was way better than that a year ago, but now Devontae Adams comes in. Of course, he can no longer be good anymore. But the way that we we talked about like the you know huge target share, high catch rate type players, Jacoby Myers is yeah. that type of player. Yeah, and he was the guy that was really undervalued last draft season where his targets per outrun was so high and the opportunity was there. And that's sort of how to use targets per outrun is when a guy has a high targets per outrun and then you can see and make a case that his routes are going to increase as well. I think sometimes it's overutilized for guys whose routes just aren't changing and then it's like, well, you know, that doesn't matter. For him, it did matter. And he jumped to 126 targets, which was solid. I think he can do the same this year I think they're going to throw the ball more in Mac Jones's second year. They also had a game in which they only threw the ball three times last year that really 
Uh, I, I think the overall numbers. Sure. But I think that when you look at the external circumstances of that game, that makes sense. It makes sense, but it's not something that we like, like if you're just viewing their pass rate last year and you're not stripping out that game, you're shorting them on their expected pass rate. Sure. But I think you'd be doing yourself that a game, disservice if you didn't strip out that game as it's a once every 15 year outlier game. It was like that. That's what that, I'm saying. It's like that Miami Pittsburgh game on Monday night in like 2007 or something no, like I that. No, I think six may, six. Maybe I misworded. I I'm agreeing with you. I think oh, you okay. strip out that if you strip out that game, their pass rate's like three percentage points higher already, and then I think they're going to throw a little bit more on top of that because of Mac Jones. So that's that's like a pro Myers point where I think if people are looking at just pure fantasy points which, you know, the market's better about not judging players purely off fantasy points per game from the previous season. But with Jacoby Myers, the combination of the team's pass rate being really low last year and just him continuing to run really bad in touchdowns, like has people too low on him. And I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden regress to like score eight touchdowns. But when you've only scored two touchdowns, it really just cannot get that much worse. That was my fault. I misunderstood what you had said in the first place. I think you were actually very clear about it, but I twisted my mind just to, so I could yell and argue about it. No, I, you're completely right about that. Here are some guys right now, DraftKings, Jacoby Myers going at pick number 139 overall. Here are the equivalent wide receivers he's going around. Tim Patrick, Jamison Williams, his teammate, Devontae Parker. That'll be great for two games. Van Jefferson, DJ Chark, Jahan Dotson, Alec Pierce, like he's better than those guys. He really is. Yeah, I have him. We have him ranked higher than all of those guys. He's going behind Kenny Galladay and Rondell Moore. Especially in full PPR. Uh, listen, I have, I like Kenny Galladay and Rondell Moore. So that's where I draw the line. Of course you do. But the rest of those guys, I think you should be going ahead of. Can I take my ADOT versus Rondell Moore's ADOT this year? And like, I have a 50, 50 chance of winning. Yeah, but you have a 0% chance of catching 80 balls. That's true. 80 balls for 74 yards. PPR formats, baby. Yeah, killing it. All right, so let's circle back to this tier before we get into here. Gabe Davis, Hollywood Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. I like Amon Ross St. Brown the best of those three guys, to be perfectly honest with you. If it's just if it's me talking, but you're here to help me with my ranking, so I don't look foolish. I think that's fine. I probably have Hollywood first but i would have hollywood ahead but i think aman ra is right at the top of that tier um where are we putting juju in the tier oh he's not being he's juju Juju shall be unranked he's not going in the rankings. he sucks but i'd probably go hollywood aman ra gabe davis okay that's that's the order that i have him in right now aman or Hollywood Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Gabriel Davis. We didn't, I mean, this is what we can do in part three. Talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Talk about Michael Thomas, uh, Olave. Godwin. Uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, Godwin's another one. Because Godwin, I mean, you could put Godwin in that tier with like Michael Pittman if you really wanted to. But now it's looking like he might go to Pup. Might not even be back for week five. And it's Tampa. If they start out okay and they're not 0-4, like what incentive do they have to rush any of these guys back? They don't give a shit about the regular season. Yeah, he's he's really tough. I wish I knew what was going to happen. I mean, I, you wish you knew what happened with every player, but with him in particular, because if he's fully healthy, he's going in like rounds 
that like the two, three turn this year, if he's fully healthy, which he's not, but if he is like, that's the type of player you're getting. So if you're missing four weeks, it's like, who cares? But if you're missing five to six weeks and then he's getting worked in for another two weeks, that's going to be a problem. I think, yeah, we can have a discussion about the injured guys, uh, the jets receivers who everyone seems to like one of them, different one, it seems like. And then how much do you really want to commit? Because there's one guy in every draft who just loves one of the Jets receivers. And they all seem to have sort of this weird inflated value. And I would like to add to this tier six, like Thielen, Metcalf, and maybe one of the injured guys gets in there. Sutton and Judy, you mentioned. Yeah. Is it time for Allen Robinson? Is it time for Darnell Mooney? Is it time for Rashad Bateman and Hunter Renfro? Or maybe this is just a little mini tier. And maybe we throw in the injured guys either in this tier or just after this tier and then go on from there. But I think we're, we're pretty good here. Let's get to the, uh, to the ranks. Here's what we've built so far. You want to hear them? Let's hear them. Tier one. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Tier two, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, and C.D. Lamb. I have Stefan Diggs still. I haven't thought about putting him in tier two or tier three. So he's either the last guy. number. He's number seven in the rankings, but he's either in tier two or tier three with T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Keenan Allen. Then we go Debo Samuel, Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, D.J. Moore as a part of tier four. Deontay Johnson, Brennan Cooks, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman as a part of Tier 5. And then Tier 6 is Hollywood Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Gabriel Davis. And we may add to that tier as we go on with the next show. But that's where we stand at the moment in building these tiers. We we, talked- we, we did pretty good. We if we uh, take out our quarterback detour, and we're, we're a little more on point this week. We were. We talked like 20 more wide receivers as well. We just haven't ranked them yet. We're getting there. The wheels are spinning though. We're getting there. This is fun. This is, Hey, if this is going to cost me an hour every week where I get to talk to you and argue about this, I'm having a good time. We're going to, that's also room for another bet. That's true. So we have two so far. Do we have three Lazard versus one per show? Oh, I guess we have three. I forgot the Lazard versus Watkins, bet. yeah. Who did I take cooks against you with? Was that against Hollywood Brown too? No. Cooks was, was it Cooks versus Davis. I think it was Cooks. For, that was no. That's what you did with uh, with Herzig. Yeah, with Herzig. I took Juju. Yeah, Cooks versus Juju. I got to write all these down. I need some sort of like that. running. So Cooks. I, I might need a running tracker behind me on the wall for all these bets I'm making. I made one with Sealy too. I completely forget what it is. Cooks, Juju, Lazard, Watkins, and Hollywood. Hollywood Cooper. Yeah. And it's it's Lazard versus Watkins and targets. <laughs> yeah. Where did I have do I <laughs> do I have the Jake one? Is that still open? No, it's Cus Corner. Yeah, there's a new Cus Corner coming out soon. It uh, involves if you went to a gym, Mike, would you expect there okay. to be javelin and discus there? No, no, absolutely not. No, that would be insane, right? That would be weird. That would be weird. I'm not like a huge gym guy, but any gym I've gone to, I don't think I've, I mean, if you went to like a track and field clinic, I'd expect it to be there. Sure. But. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Not where they have like elliptical machines. Right. No, that's super weird. I'm assuming Cuss thinks that that should be part of the common gym yes, equipment. Because it would be so popular. All those people where, who love throwing where, where discus. Does he, how big does he think a gym is? Oh, is that, are we talking... Like oh. a virtual discus? Well, like, where's he going to throw it? Yes. So 
this was my the first thing I said to him. Besides the cost, like, where are you getting the space for this? And then he was like, Oh no, it's like a golf simulator, but for discus. I was like, okay. That sounds very unprofitable. <laughs> but at the same time, that is the only way it would actually work and make sense. Is- and then he was talking about how, like, you know, you, you go to, like, I'm <laughs> sure. Javelin just going to go through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Well, you know yeah. how you can go to golf simulator bars? We're going to get Javelin discus bar? That's what he was starting to talk about. It's like, I don't think you, like, oh. golf is one thing. I don't think you can trust people with discs. Like, to throw a discus, you're twirling around and launching it. And then a javelin has a very pointy end. I don't think you can, I don't think there's enough insurance in the world to trust drunk people around that. No. That's yeah, horrible, horrible ideas from Cust. This idea is very bad. <laughs> Mike Leone, at Two Hats, One Mike on the Twitter machine. You've been doing a bunch of really cool shows at ETR. I, I like your you versus. Silva shows, they're fun. <laughs> the man versus machine. Silva and I definitely have a good time going at it. Uh, he's got his top 150 against what the pure projections we do on the back end do. So uh, sometimes we come to an agreement, but other times I just make Silva look foolish. So definitely check that out. How often does that happen that you make him look foolish, would you say? Versus times he makes uh, you look foolish. I guess it depends if you're talking objective reality or from my perspective. From your perspective. Um, the truth, your truth. You just live it. Oh, I think I think I win three out of four against Silva. 75% hit rate's not bad. That's really good, actually. <laughs> In your own mind, you can't even be winning 100% of the time. That's sad, man. That well, those, those are I your mean, medium projections coming in. That's why you're a computer. <laughs> you just don't have that overabundance of confidence that you need. Just no, 100% of the time, never lose. That's the way you need to talk. Lie, lion mentality, Mike. I don't have the the Davis Matic blind confidence and inability to process probabilities and just round up to a hundred. Okay. Maybe you should. I also work off the Davis theory of just, yeah, I'm always right. Don't worry about it. Despite the results <laughs> telling me that's not the case, but against you and bets, hundred percent winner. That's actually sadly for me true so far. Um, over two last year. So. Well, you have a chance to get back above 500 against me here. If you win all I three do. of these bets. I'm excited for it. I mean, I'm, these I'm, are like Lock City. You said that last year, Odell Beckham. Give your head a shit. Ah, oh, God. Was... Just remember, you got your money in good, according to you, on Odell Beckham Jr. and LaVisca Chenault. All right, the Chenault one was an obvious mistake. Odell, I'm blaming him. He just let me down. Yeah, but you thought that Chenault was awesome last year. I didn't think he was awesome. I didn't think he was as bad as you thought he was. Well, you thought he was worse than Marv Jones. All right. Well, that's you, 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 though, you pull this on me. You get me sometimes with these guys that I will admit might have better median projections. But when my guys win, they're going to blow your guys out of the water. And I'm just going to dance over your grave. Sure. I mean, there's no extra payment. We're, we're, we're not on one of these sites where I know get, we need a like, progressive. Yeah. Bet. Like where you get multipliers like for point. Oh, you want Okay. Now that's a different story. Those are not the bets that we're making here, sir. We should be making those bets. That's that's what I need to switch up. A dollar per point. All right. So we need to get some sort of progressive point differential. And that's yeah. the cost of the bet. Hey, if you want to propose those bets, I need to process them. I need to listen to them. But I might be on board for something like that. All right. Next time, I'll propose it. Next time on the Pat Mayo Experience, we'll talk about five more receiver rankings 
for two straight hours and weird bets that we're going to forget about in three weeks until it becomes this time next year. And we're like, what were the bets that we made again? And then we'll have to think about it. Then there'll be dead air. And then people will lie about the bets that we made. Either way, it'll be good times. Like I said, check out Mike on EstablishTheRun.com. ETR at Two Hats. Uh, for the French people out there. Mac on Twitter or Two Hats, One Mike on Twitter if you are the Anglais. Me, I'm the PME. Go back, check out the other shows down in the description. Draft kit's completely free. We already have eight or nine shows up already. This is part two of the receivers. We'll have part three. Part two of the running backs is coming very soon with Jake Seeley. Thank you all for watching. Smash a like on the way out. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.